3: Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This week's episode is lifting the lid on something which is deceptively simple, the world of plastic crates, reusable containers. We're interviewing Tim Dibus, who is the CEO of the Reusable Packaging Association. And this is an area that is not understood well. Uh, A lot of people write off Um, these plastic uh, crates and boxes, uh, and don't think about them at all. But really, what we're going to discuss is how this is transforming supply chains, how it's transforming the way people run their business, making a huge difference environmentally, probably more importantly, is driving huge savings, huge increases in profit, different business models and leverages IoT technology to do it in ways that you may not have considered. So to see the other side of something that seems simple, but actually has a lot to it, to get smart about an area that's rapidly increasing in terms of its significance uh, and relevance, listen on. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williot intelligence for everyday things. Powered by IoT Pixels. Well, Tim, welcome to the Mister Beacon Podcast. I really appreciate your um, joining us, and um, I, I'm very, very uh, much looking forward to getting into what the Reusable Packaging Association uh, is focused on, and what I want to do is understand, uh, you know what what do you mean by reusable packaging, um, and why we should be focused on it, and then how it has a, a link with the Internet of Things, uh, the, the the technology that we're focused on on this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe we should start off with what is reusable packaging?
4: Well, thank you. It's great to be here and talk about, uh, you know, exciting area development uh, that has been around but continues to find way to achieve high performance and create value and uh, certainly emerge as one of the solutions to solve a lot of the problems that we have uh, in society today, which we'll, we'll get into. And the, the notion of reusable packaging is simply packaging that can be used over and over again. Uh, But what that means is that it was designed and manufactured to be very durable, uh, to have stability, uh, that has properties that allow it to be used for its intended purpose, be recovered, and put back into use. In effect, uh, you're able to use a product that doesn't create waste, uh, that actually is used uh, over and over again for an extended uh, period of time. Uh, Our particular focus uh, at the Reusable Packaging Association. Uh, is on transport or distribution packaging, uh, the business-to-business movement uh, of goods uh, in supply chains. Uh, so we represent member companies uh, that are involved with uh, pallets, uh, crates, totes, bends, trays, uh, things that are used to carry goods uh, from, say, point of um, uh, harvest uh, to point of processing or point of manufacture, uh, from distribution, say, from manufacturing to point of sale. Uh, and these products are, are ubiquitous, uh, but used uh, commonly uh, around the world to be able to move goods uh, as efficiently as uh, possible. Uh, so the idea of uh, reuse is to actually have durability inherent uh, within these products, uh, but really also the systems in place uh, that these products can be recovered and put back into uh, use, go back to their intended purpose uh, and point of fill uh, that can start that, that journey again. Um, so those are two very important characteristics when you're looking at to reuse, uh, the strength and, and durability to last, uh, oftentimes measured over a point of years, uh, and the system in place uh, for collecting uh, these products after they're used and moving them back uh, to the first point uh, of their use in terms of filling and moving that product over again.
3: And those systems, uh, it seems like there's some uh, taxonomy, some groupings of different kinds of systems that are used. And I've kind of heard of uh, closed loop and open loop. Uh, I don't know whether that's the right terminology, but can, can you educate us a bit on that?
4: Sure. And and there's a lot of uh, difference of viewpoints uh, when you hear closed loop and and open loops that are very uh, popular uh, terms uh, used within our industry. And we actually took a step to define them uh, and what they they mean. And and simply a closed loop uh, often refers to, from our perspective, is the movement of these reusable packaging products under, say, the same ownership or under, say, the same accountability of ownership of the products? Uh, and generally, you'll see that more of an A to B, back to A distribution, uh, where it's enclosed environment, uh, where all the touch points, all of the movement is well controlled, usually under the same management, uh, and uh, that closed loop, uh, you know, generally refers to a system that is. Uh, captive uh, in terms of uh, those products and those assets, whether they're pallets or totes, uh, bins, uh, and uh, they have that closed loop. There's no openness or gaps in which they may go. That's outside of the, the management or control of the organizations involved.
3: Can what would like an example of that be? Uh,
4: that could be, uh, for example, the uh, automotive uh, parts uh, from a point of manufacture shipped into an automotive um, assembly plant uh, that are then used to, to build the the vehicles and then the packaging uh, can go right back to the parts manufacturer for refill and and movement uh, so it's a very much of a of a closed system that's generally under the management of the supplier of those parts uh, or the the assembly uh, um, uh, OME uh, OEM excuse me of the uh, providing those parts into the uh, the, the car assembly car uh, you know brand dealership uh, dealer uh, manufacturer, for example,
3: and who typically owns these and the reason why I'm getting into that question is if we when we fast forward and talk about iot where you're starting to put tracking devices and radios and computing in those things, then you know that becomes relevant so who who owns them typically in a in a closed loop system?
4: yeah, it varies. Uh, you know usually it it it's the supplier of the parts uh, you find is, is common to owning the assets. Not all of the case. Uh, many case in many cases, in you know, such as the automobile industry, industry, it could be uh, the the car manufacturers they own and, and try and have control of the entire process in which parts are being brought into the assembly. In, in most cases, those uh, are the working environments in which packaging. Uh, needs to have specifications to either accommodate or to be most utilized within the manufacturing or assembly operation. So in those cases, uh, it could actually be the user that owns the fleet or the pool of uh, these assets. Uh, again, having it more of the specificity behind the packaging, uh, working properly and within the control of their own uh, you know, uh, parts, receiving parts and, and usage of the parts outside of the, the packaging. Uh, but it could vary. Uh, maybe a co-ownership uh, could take place. Um, but you see that quite a bit uh, within closed-loop systems. That in fact uh, the user or the uh, the 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 manufacturer that is actually uh, owning uh, uh, the the transport packaging.
3: I love the, this the, these conversations because you end up digging into something that we all think we understand, and then you realize, oh, I don't understand this. This is a whole world. There are people who live their entire careers optimizing this stuff and uh, it's uh, the uh, associations like yours that focus on it I, I, we have a customer who's in that business and they're a pooler and you know the amount of technology and expertise that goes into and it's really cool seeing the the processing plants where thousands of these things are coming in and in the case of that they do fruit and vegetables and so they're all kind of washed and stacked and uh, uh, the different business models and uh, you see it across different industries. It's amazing. So, OK, so closed loop. What about open loop? What's open loop?
4: So open generally where the reusable packaging product uh, over its planned journey goes outside of, say, ownership uh, or, or management of those uh, of those assets. Uh, and you see this a lot more in retail, where there's much greater complexity of the supply chain. That may go product being packed in a reusable container from the farm, uh, goes to a either a processing facility or perhaps direct to a distribution center at retail. Then actually could trans uh, be transported directly to a store. Uh, and the at the store level, the the particular retailer may not have ownership. Uh, or full accountability, uh, or even visibility of uh, the assets. Uh, There's a system in place uh, for their recovery. uh, But in terms of the open loop, we like to think of that as uh, when you have a case where the transport or movement uh, of the product at some point goes outside of, of say, um, a, a controlled or uh, managed, uh, you know, facility in terms of the accountability for the assets. It doesn't mean that uh, they're in the wrong place. It's actually, you know, predetermined that that's where they need to go as part of the uh, the process. Uh, but they require, you know, much uh, greater uh, awareness uh, and record keeping, uh, and certainly follow up to be able to manage uh, those uh, reusable packaging products in that type of uh, open loop uh, system. You mentioned the word pooler. Uh, and this is where a poolers uh, often come into play to be able to manage the complexities, to be able to uh, work with the, the variety of, of touch points and locations uh, that creates more complexity or added layers of, of touch points uh, for the assets. Um, and that's where you've got special organizations that maybe own the assets and they lease them out uh, you know, for use. And they're in effect the owners and managers of those assets, making sure that they're recovered and uh, replenished and 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 brought back to the user in a timely manner and a just-in-time uh, basis. Uh, and pooling actually is uh, is a role within our industry that's just destined uh, to grow uh, as more and more companies are looking to utilize sustainable, reusable packaging within their operations to be able to eliminate waste or achieve other. Uh, cost-saving benefits, they may not want to have management uh, of the assets. They may not want to purchase them using their own capital. And so, in many cases, they'll outsource, uh, you know, to a third-party pooler uh, that has that expertise, that has that dedicated business model to be able to provide uh, the the crates or the pallets or bins when needed uh, and certainly maintain, uh, you know, possession and, and control of those assets and being able to provide that service uh, to the the use uh, to the users uh, of those products, uh, and so that's where poolers. Uh, I think in in this as the supply chain continues to evolve and look for new business models, uh, I think that's a very important area uh, that really is destined for growth. Uh, when you look at uh, the say the circular economy, which is a popular economic model, and they talk about uh, that a circular co- economy can lead to trillions of dollars of growth. It really is these types of new businesses, these services that, that are asset managers, uh, being able to uh, eliminate waste or design out waste from business, being able to extend the life and value of products uh, over time, th- those are really where you're going to find this kind of new economy uh, on the shared uh, side, on the service side, uh, that could be poolers, they could be Uh, repair, uh, you know, they could be remanufacturers or washing, uh, you know, services to be able to clean and sanitize for further use in food applications, for example. Uh, So this is where our industry and the infrastructures to be able to look at either both closed or open loop, in particular, those that are more complex. uh, There's a wide variety of roles uh, that can be a play and come into play and emerge actually as new businesses uh, to support uh, the industry.
3: How big is this business and uh, what's the trajectory? You you kind of hinted at, alluded to some of the, one of the drivers for growth, circular economy, cutting down the environmental impact of uh, uh, supply chains, the uh, uh, opportunity for, for efficiencies. Uh, it sounds like it's going upwards, uh, but what, uh, what can you share with us?
4: Yeah, very, very much so. Uh, you know, we've quantified uh, the reusable transport packaging market worldwide to be a hundred billion dollar uh, business. Uh, but that really is just the, the tip of the, uh, the scale in the sense of uh, where the industry can and, and frankly it should go. Uh, based on uh, the benefits and the opportunities with reusable packaging that are thinking getting more and more uh, understood, uh, more and more uh, developed uh, within uh, the supply chain in the marketplace. Uh, you know, Basically, what we're finding is there is an urgency to sustainability, to, to having packaging being more stable in its performance, particularly if it's end of use you look at some of the the global you know problems uh, that are on headlines uh, every day uh, whether it's uh, you know waste uh, and landfilling uh, whether it's pollution and, and uh, packaging products uh, in the ocean plastics in the ocean greenhouse gas emissions uh, it could be natural resource depletion energy consumption the list goes on and on about things that where we are uh, this is where reusable packaging uh, excels uh, in being able to address those types of challenges from an environmental sustainability uh, perspective. Uh, that when you can actually harness resources and and put all the uh, the the inputs and manufacture, that you've got a product that you can use over and over again over time. Um, that that you can actually utilize and extend the value of that material and that product. Uh, for a long time, uh, you know, for its uh, purpose, uh, and and when it, you do that, you eliminate waste, uh, you reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the overall operations of of those products. Uh, you're saving on on energy, uh, and uh, certainly you're not polluting because you're recovering the assets to put them back in, into use. Uh, and so that's a, a a very much of a sharp uh, uh, upswing in terms of companies uh, recognizing that a more sustainable approach uh, to packaging is actually reuse models. Uh, But that's only one side of things. Uh, What's most exciting about our industry is the economic value creation that you can uh, achieve from using these reusable packaging systems, that you can have economic growth and cost savings in addition to those environmental benefits. And that's really what the aha moment is, I think, in the marketplace is, you know, some companies will feel well pressured. They've got to go more sustainable. So we'll look at uh, reusable packaging systems. Uh, but then you start discovering that, well, wait a minute, uh, if I've got a more durable, uh, ergonomic uh, product, I can stack more uh, you know units on a pallet. I can ship more within a, a container. I can automate my facility and count on the specifications. And the precision of these products uh, through my robotic, you know, capabilities. That you, all these things start getting uh, noticed, and it's like, well, I could save costs here, here, and here uh, if I build a reusable packaging system that is uh, specific to optimize uh, my operations. Uh, and then, and then the other thing is resiliency. You know, we saw over just the past year uh, about raw materials uh, not being available. Uh, commodity markets uh, for things like uh, paper and and wood uh, that are very volatile. If you build a reusable packaging pool, you've already uh, have those assets available ready to go for your business. You're not going to come into a situation where all of a sudden uh, material from another country is necessary and is short, uh, and therefore you run out of raw materials to manufacture after every use that you need a product. So resiliency all of a sudden you know, becomes an important benefit uh, to reusable systems. And so all of a sudden, you know, you've got this these, these two buckets here. Yeah, you, you know, you can ha- achieve great sustainability with reusable packaging, but the economic values are really uh, starting to sink in about the potential of, of creating benefit, uh, uh, creating efficiencies uh, within your supply chain operations. And it's truly exciting to see uh, the ability to achieve both, for example.
3: I'm really excited just hearing you talk about the, the the benefits and the from a theoretical perspective. Are there any kind of uh, practical case studies that you can uh, point to where people have achieved these benefits?
4: well absolutely and that's one of the things that uh, the reusable packaging association specializes in we're a nonprofit organization we're more about educating uh we're about raising awareness about the opportunities around reusable packaging uh, our website at reusables.org has a wealth of uh, resources and information including case studies about real world applications of how reusable packaging was able to achieve both environmental uh, impacts and also economic impacts uh, as well. Uh, in fact, every year we hand out an award uh, based on several entries to recognize a particular real-world case study where reusable packaging uh, has excelled both in environmental and economic uh, applications. Uh, and this is our 10th year, uh, so it's not uh, new as far as honoring uh, uh users uh, in the marketplace as far as reusable packaging. So I, that's the first as far as referencing uh, the the chance to go on our website and see these real-world, uh, not only just uh, award winners, uh, but many other case studies that are in the market. And they do span uh, quite a bit. You know, I mentioned examples of the automotive uh, uh, packaging. Uh, last year's winner was actually a distribution of wine uh, in uh, reusable containers that actually have... Um, a, a thermal control with, uh, with ice, uh, like a, th- a thermos inside uh, to be able to maintain the desired temperatures. And that really allows for shipping at all times uh, of the year. You know, and uh, in many cases, shipping uh, wine is avoided when temperatures are hot and the product could uh, lose its boundary of temperature in terms of uh, its quality. Uh, so shipping wine directly to consumers, uh, for example, pallets uh, that are moved uh, and uh, can be cleaned and sanitized effectively for the distribution of food. All sorts of uh, different unique uh, case studies that are uh, in the market uh, that are uh, th- that we look to promote and give interested parties examples uh, about how achievements have been used for reusable packaging products.
3: Excellent. And so where, and where do you think the sweet spots are? Where is the biggest return on investment? If I'm going to start using plastic crates, plastic pallets, uh, uh, those sorts of cases, where do you see people focusing to justify this switch to something that's a bit more sustainable?
4: Well, I mentioned several uh, benefits uh, that could be the turning point uh, as a company discovers what reusable packaging can do for their operations. Uh, but let, let's talk about a very uh, appropriate segue as far as technology and innovation. Uh, and I've always said that the best is yet to come with reusable transport packaging. Uh, many years ago, especially when I first uh, you know came into this uh, position of representing the reusable packaging industry. Uh, we are always looking for ways that we can convey those benefits. We can communicate, uh, you know, where the the values are in adopting reusable packaging, uh, and it became quite clear uh, that this really emerging technology space and being able to automatically identify uh, assets, uh, being able to uh, capture the the data points, uh, you know, through different uh, systems really is now becoming a game changer and I know technologies you know RFID tags and barcodes and things that were scanned going through portals you know it's been around for for quite some time but what really has changed uh, say over the last 5 10 years is uh, the suitability of technologies uh, of devices uh, of uh, innovation that could be applied directly to products like pallets and bins and containers cost effectively mm-hmm. Uh, And being able to do so uh, and and provide uh, data such as transmitting to wirelessly to the Internet of Things where all of a sudden line of sight and having to scan individual crates with a handheld reader or making sure you pass it through a portal uh, within a warehouse door to be able to achieve a record uh, or transmission uh, of what's on the pallet to the database. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about being able to identify in real time, the location of the product anywhere in the world, uh, and not have to have a, a particular portal or line of sight to, to see it. Uh, and that's whether it's uh, wirelessly, like a like a cell phone communicating, uh, you know, to a satellite, uh, or it's transmitting through, say, you know, capturing through the Internet of Things and transmitting to the cloud and beaming to a, someone's uh, laptop a few thousand miles away. It, it really all of a sudden creates a a new Level a new path, uh, a new basis uh, of value and opportunity for reusable packaging products. So you know, take aside a, a reusable packaging product that exists today, uh, that has been used for for decades, and and the benefits it could bring. Now all of a sudden, you're layering you know, technology, creating a smart package, uh, in a package that uh, has a whole new set of value associated with understanding and having visibility of not just the asset, the packaging asset, but the contents inside. And so it just opens up the door in terms of inventory management, predictive analyses uh, about uh, uh, the products of both the packaging asset and uh, the the contents inside, uh, and, and really allows for uh, use of the data to be able to uh, create efficiencies and to respond to market uh, you know conditions to meet uh, you know customer uh, demands to satisfy customers uh, more quickly as we're we're looking at the explosion of e-commerce over the last couple of years you know to me that's the sweet spot that we have today, which was already sweet to begin with uh, that now all of a sudden it's just crystallizing as far as saying, that taking technology today, and it's important to recognize that this technology is available today. This technology is ripe to be able to deploy in several different uh, aspects and product offerings. That today that these smart packaging could uh, come online and just open up the door for a whole new set of of uh, benefit and value uh, in terms of using that product over and over again. And it's truly... Exciting, and to me, that's what the, the best is yet to come. And I may be saying that, you know, for years as as technology continues to improve and offer new capabilities. But to me, it, it's it's that driver of the differentiator between reusable packaging and single use packaging that's designed to be low cost disposable. Uh, that's not going to have any technology embedded in it uh, because it's going to end up uh, in the, the landfill or in a recycling center uh, after its use. That's going to drive that wedge for someone to say, you know, I really need to implement reusable packaging in our supply chain because uh, we need to go to a modern digital uh, business. And uh, that's the best way that we can achieve an ROI in reusing reusable packaging that's tech enabled.
3: Yeah, it's so important. I actually see uh, parallels with the apparel uh, industry, another industry that's starting to shift towards circularity, longer life products. Uh, if if you say, Yeah, uh, this product may actually have more than one owner in the case of apparel, you can start to make a better quality product, uh, a product that is actually has more utility, and it applies the same to to, to packaging. Oh, I'm not going to throw this away. Well, I can actually make this smart packaging, I could make a, a crate that knows when it's full or empty, I can make a crate that can report where it is in real time. I can make a crate that can start to understand the ripeness of the product in there, and if I can do that, then I can start to have dynamic routing. I can say, oh, this—you uh, know—the the timer on this fruit, uh, you know, I know the state of it. I know what the temperature history uh, is of it, where it's been. Now maybe I can start routing it so it gets sold really fast, so that I am not eating into the shelf life. Uh, and I don't have shelf life that maybe is doesn't have utility, so I can be smart about managing the life of the product. so I'm throwing less of it uh, away is like one of the incredible uh, opportunities that I think we have. And we were um uh, I was talking to a colleague the other day and they they were uh, talking about some of the analytics uh, from um uh, from a crate that uh, has uh, auto ID technology in it, in this case ours. Um, And they were talking to a customer who was saying, yeah, we have this FIFO uh, system, first in, first out, and that's how we make sure that uh, the life of the products uh, are kind of managed appropriately. And um, my colleague was saying, well, I know that's in theory what you have, but actually you don't have that until <laughs> you realize that substantial amount of uh, uh, what you're doing is actually last in first out, which is a disaster because the stuff that is being pushed further and further to the back of the warehouse and uh, and, and isn't being bought out, basically are just burning through the shelf life. And uh, that product ends up being spoiled, which is... Uh, which is a disaster. You're writing it off. You're giving a poor experience for your your customer. And you know what I see is uh, I know there's um, projects going on uh, down under where you know the goal is very simple. It's like let's put what can we do if we put another day of shelf life onto um, our produce. Uh, you know why are we doing this? We what would the savings be? To us, as a grocery store, if we had another day of shelf life, it's huge, huge.
4: And, and that's there, uh, and that's there without the, the technology to tell us uh, if something is under the right temperature. Uh, you know, reusable packaging again, because it can be designed and built for durability. You can put ventilation holes. Uh, you know, throughout the the entire container. You can build it so that the weight of, say, the pallet of food, the weight is on the container, not on the actual product, and causing uh, compression damage or you know bruising of the the product that say a weaker or inferior packaging type uh, you know may offer uh and so you know this is uh, other some hallmark benefits uh, of reusable packaging that that has been proven and we've seen it out in the marketplace doing temperature studies from point of uh of harvest and packing all the way to you know the point of use consumer purchase where being able to say maintain temperatures through ventilation uh, being able to protect and preserve the quality is leading to more saleable or marketable days uh for that product on the shelf uh, for example uh, and that does cut down on waste. Um, that allows for more selling opportunity at retail instead of them having to dispose of it because it's spoiled and it's no longer uh, you know, suitable for purchase. Uh, and that so that's an, a good example, especially when you're talking about, uh, um, you know, food and perishable products. You know, the best example I have firsthand is with fresh eggs. Uh, you know, with fresh eggs, uh, eggs are, are harvested and actually packed at a high temperature, maybe up to 90 degrees, uh, let's say, and the idea is, is that you want that egg temperature to go down to, say, you know, 45 degrees in terms of holding a steady state you know, of the quality. Uh, when these eggs are packed in, uh, let's say, corrugated boxes, the, the heat that's being generated, you can actually see the boxes uh, absorbing moisture and sweating because it's capturing all that internal heat. And it takes several days for it to go from the center, especially, of that pallet uh, of eggs from that 90 degrees down to 45 when you've got a reusable packaging product that's out there that has strong, durable, ventilated, uh, allows for great airflow through the pallet, the actual data, the studies say that you can get that cooling down in less than a day uh, before the product is even shipped out to the customer. So you want to talk about a quality difference in a product like eggs in terms of temperature reduction and hitting that fine uh, you know, quality temperature of holding the, the egg and preserving its quality difference between a matter of three, four, five days before you achieve that versus that same day uh, of getting that temperature. That, that is just a world of difference. And eggs offers a, a tremendous example of differences of a reusable packaging product, let's just say, versus a single-use disposal.
3: What are uh, some of the trends that you're seeing? One of the things that uh, I, I've noticed uh, in Europe is that the, the use of crates actually in the store seems a lot more prevalent than in in this country, here in the United States, where there's more kind of transfer of product from one kind of packaging and display to another, whereas it seems like in Europe they're eliminating that. Can you Can you speak to that a little bit?
4: Yeah, absolutely. In many cases, um, you know, reusable packaging is designed for, say, one-touch merchandising. Uh, the idea is, is that uh, how that case was packed uh, at the at the farm could show up and be placed right on the shelf uh, for consumer, you know, for merchandising to the, the customer, to the shopper. Uh, and one-touch uh, not only allows for, you know, labor efficiencies as far as not having to You know, touch the product and remove it, Uh, but it also uh, reduces the amount of handling and potential damage uh, of the of the product itself. And so, in many cases, and it is here in the United States, uh, you know, Walmart, uh, for example, uh, you know, utilizes that one touch system, uh, where if you go to a Walmart and their fresh produce display, there it is all displayed in in the crates. uh, You know, for example um uh, and uh, but it hasn't really caught on as much as you you would think in, in europe uh in a lot of cases that retailers in the competitive nature uh, you know want to diversify want to want to deviate from say what a competitor may do so one competitor, competitor may have this look we want to go on a different route and maybe create something that's uh, a different look or vibe or feel for our, our shoppers. Uh, and so in many cases, it just could be a competitive uh, way of, of just having a different look instead of the, the crates directly on there. Um, but, uh, you know, it varies from from retailer to retailer. Uh, but in many cases, I think in Europe has been so far advanced in, uh, you know, collectively, uh, you know, trying to achieve those cost saving of benefits and actually find other ways to compete in market rather than the merchandising or display of the product, and it could be freshness, it could be brands of the product, uh, it could be service, uh, you know other things pricing of course, other things that uh, they decide to compete on, and not its transport packaging.
3: well ironic ironically, the kind of the higher end uh, uh, grocery stores that may be doing more transferring from the crate to the display and uh, so forth. They may actually be negatively impacting the quality of the product because you start tipping these things up and dumping them, then you bruise the product, you damage it, uh, uh, and uh, you, these things can be crushed. And so, yeah, okay, your display may be better, but actually, what the, the product that someone takes home, maybe it may be worse, which is a little ironic, I think.
4: Um, yeah, it definitely shows. I mean, a lot of the reusable packaging program, uh, the products, you know The design intent is to be able to capture those benefits from the handler, from the user. So it's not just in terms of packing and distributing, but how can you design uh, the reusable packaging product to uh, offer the greatest advantage at the final end-use area? In this case, it would be uh, the retail store. Uh, going back to the egg uh, reusable plastic container, they're actually designed with a long wall that you just flip down uh, and, and, and even pull down. And all of a sudden, now you're displaying your egg cartons directly to the the shopper. Uh, how they do how other stores who use uh, boxes, they take a knife and they gotta cut the box and pull it down and and they've got you know ribbing and and, and rough edges associated with what's being displayed in the box to com- consumers. Uh, So this is where you've got this not only a one-touch system, but retail-ready displays that reusable packaging uh, can offer uh, because the design and durability allows it to have other features uh, that, say, a single-use product just can't match.
3: Very cool. So uh, for someone that gets excited by this, here, I can help save the planet. I can make with some money. Um, uh, Help this newbie uh, make sense of this ecosystem. if you look at your members uh, the, and, and, and the companies in affiliated areas, can you kind of map out the kinds of players and if it's not breaking any rules, mention some names of who the kind of the dominant players are or rising stars are? I'd love to, to, to uh, help our uh, viewers and listeners uh, um, navigate around this, uh, this new ecosystem.
4: Well, sure. It's probably best to, from a general standpoint to, to talk about this ecosystem because it is changing, uh, we, even within our, our membership. You know, traditionally, uh, the member companies of the Reusable Packaging Association were the manufacturers or suppliers of products. So these would be, uh, you know, plastic injection molders uh, uh, that are producing, you know, plastic crates milk crates, bread trays, uh, reusable plastic containers for fresh produce. Uh, they could be producing pallets, uh, whether it's wood pallets and and pooling them. Uh, could be plastic pallets, uh, other fortified you know bulk bins, and so you know it really was the manufacturer supplier of these products. But really, what has changed and it's more reflective of the marketplace is that our membership and what we represent as an organization is that full cycle of reuse. Uh, it's the service providers. That's an area that's real exciting to to have the growth because. In our business, uh, it's not about the product, it's about the system. You can have the coolest, most innovative reusable packaging product in the world, but if you're not having the system that recovers it and puts it back into uh, reuse, uh, you don't have a reusable product if all of a sudden it's lost or it's uh, it's, it's left somewhere not being reused. So the system becomes uh, a critical point uh, in, in differentiating what a reusable packaging uh, program is, is all about. And the growth of our membership uh, is really reflective of, I think, the growth of the service providers, uh, companies uh, that are providing uh, the technology or automation capabilities, the logistics or transportation services. Uh, We've got four members uh, that are manufacturers of equipment that wash and sanitize uh, pallets and bends and, and crates, uh, and that just shows you, again, that there's, there's a whole entire industry that is aligned to the RPA membership in our industry as far as, uh, you know, providing that service, uh, high-end commercial wash machines that on a per, you know, uh, crate basis could really reduce the cost of washing and sanitizing when uh, such, uh, uh, you know, procedures and processes are needed uh, for the, the product. Uh, And so the diversity, even within our own membership, is starting to grow. And we're seeing that more also on the technology side for reasons we mentioned earlier about, you know, the emerging capabilities uh, of technology. So our membership includes some of the, you know, the world's, uh, you know, biggest uh, suppliers uh, of these products, uh, the poolers uh, of our products, uh, you know, the providers uh, and and service providers within that system of uh, of reuse. And it continues to, I think, diversify, which is great. And to me, that's the biggest sign of, of healthy growth is when you've got more uh, entities involved in, in providing products and services to make that system uh, robust, uh, high-performing, and, of course, uh, efficient uh, in its operations.
3: Very good. And what about uh, the future? You know, Where are things headed? I, I'm interested in um, reusable pass- packaging. Uh, beyond the store or going into the the, the home uh, we've had uh, al gramo on this uh, on this show uh, a few months ago where they're you know working with uh, uh unilever with uh, reusable uh, packaging for for soap down i think it's in uh chile uh somewhere in south america they uh, they have started but now they're into new york city and uh, um are you seeing? Are, is that something that you're seeing? What What does the future hold?
4: Yeah, this this is what's most exciting, uh, and you're seeing now a lot of uh, attention, uh, a lot of uh, headlines, uh, a lot of uh, new developments related to consumer packaging. Uh, how can we take what's traditionally a a one way disposable packaging for a consumer product? And make it into a reusable system. And you mentioned uh, you know a couple examples right there in terms of working with brands and consumer products. Uh, this is one area particularly a heightened attention because it is these types of uh, packaging products that are uh, being ex- escaped out into the environment, uh, that are being you know put into landfill, uh, that are uh, being you know into marine waterways and into the oceans uh, about uh, you know plastic materials. And so there's a lot of, uh, I guess, an increased uh, attention and to, to accelerate reuse programs for consumer packaging. But you know what that requires is really a transformation of, of not just processes and operations, but behaviors. Now all of a sudden you've got direct uh, you know contact with with consumers that could behave. Completely different uh, than, say, the end use of a B2B uh, application that could be another business or a store, for example, uh, and that that's a, changes the you know the the scenario as far as how you could implement a reusable you know packaging program for consumer packaging. But what is really exciting uh, to us uh, is that there is an opportunity we, we just cannot overlook is to leverage existing and and healthy and, and stable uh, distribution reuse packaging, supply chain reusable packaging programs, and leverage that to extend out to make uh, B2C or consumer packaging reuse models work. Uh, It's very important uh, for reuse models to have scale, to have volume, to have enough that when you're moving it around and transporting, uh, that you can have efficient in order to achieve uh, the right costs or price points to be able to operate, especially with consumer packaging. Uh, So, for example, you have a lot of these pallets and crates and bins that are already going into a retail store at a local neighborhood or a community, for example. Uh, that could be another launch point for consumer reuse packaging uh, and being able to leverage that physical collection point of products that are already going there for reuse in a business-to-business setting to extend out to be successful with business-to-consumer models. And, and to me, it's, it's you know, looked upon as that, that reusable transport packaging uh, could be that trunk of the tree where operationally uh, it it builds the culture, it it builds the infrastructure, it it builds the processes to be effective with reuse. And then the branches of the trees could be how we can deliver on reuse models for consumer packaging items uh, and make it uh, much more uh, convenient and easier to manage uh, with, with consumers. Uh, you know, to me, so that's something I, I definitely continue to promote and, and want to see out there. Is let's let's not look at them having to be separate. That all of a sudden we have to develop a consumer packaging reuse model on its own, and and let's tap into the infrastructure where billions of reusable packaging products around the world every year are being managed uh, and being implemented. Uh, that are kind of out of sight, right? They're behind the stores. Uh, The truck's moving in that consumers uh, don't often see, but they're there. They're omnipresent uh, in the supply chain and distribution of products. Uh, That's what our membership does, and we're looking to grow that and optimize that. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, we're just at the very tip, I think, where those supply chain reuse systems can be adopted, but also optimized for performance. But let's leverage that and let's work collaboratively in other business to consumer reuse models uh, that I think could be more effective in how they're being adopted, implemented, and ultimately optimized for uh, the the best experience uh, for the providers and for the customers as well.
3: What I love about this is it's a great example of where the triple bottom line comes into play, where people, planet, and profit. Uh, actually, work together rather than in conflict, uh, and the uh, I think the uh, strategic opportunity, the opportunity for CEOs of uh, uh, business-to-consumer CPG companies, other companies that that want to go from a one-off product sale where there's very little loyalty, and they want to transition to a subscription business. They want to be the the Netflix of detergent. You know what does that mean? That means I. I don't have one-off consumers. I have subscribers, companies that are subscribing. I have a direct relationship with these companies, and that fits hand in glove with reusable packaging. If I have connected reusable packaging, then I can start to implement these strategies. I can uh, pool and recycle, not recycle, reuse, much better than recycling. And recycling is destructive. It's, uh, it's wasteful. It's the, the point of last resort. It's not something that we, we should do it if we have to. But we can reuse that uh, consumer packaging, then, then we have that uh, uh, ongoing relationship with customers and uh, much higher margins. Uh, much better loyalty, much better intimacy, uh, insight into usage, auto-replenishment, all these things that basically make the stock price go up. Uh, this is not, you know, a feature of a product. It's a strategy of the business. And uh, I think you guys are right in the center of that. So. Well, you
4: really uh, underscored a, a key point in uh, and, and reuse because of uh, the fact that it's a shared objective for all those involved. Uh, that if you're providing it, you're using it, you're providing services to recovering it, you're all part of this uh, shared business model with uh, the mutual interest in moving that reusable packaging. And that's where you can really open up the dialogue and the, the partnerships and being able to maximize uh, you know, what the reuse opportunity has. Uh, and you mentioned loyalty. You mentioned about getting to know the customer. That's all part of that. It's, it's no longer necessarily the direct, you know, the silo to silo. And when it's out of my shop that we're washing our hands, and we're you know, it's, it's downstream. Uh, it's our customers, uh, you know, a position now. That's the linear thinking, the linear economy. You know, this is where you actually have uh, greater partnerships within your, your trade, uh, within your businesses, where you're understanding, let's say, how packaging could be utilized, not just within your operations, but within your customers' operations and so on, all the way downstream, and how that could be beneficial for everybody involved. Uh, and again, that really builds that level of partnership. So it's a it's a great point uh, that you make as far as taking something that that traditionally is point to point to point. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you've got this uh, this great synergy and this great uh, you know partnering uh, capabilities associated with how that product flows moves, is used, and comes back uh, within your your business.
3: So, Tim, as you may know, part of our tradition on this show is to probe into your personal life and specifically your music taste. It's not that probing, really. But uh, um, have you had a chance to think about three of your favorite songs that have some kind of meaning to you?
4: Well, I did. uh, And it was a very difficult uh, question to answer uh, this week. Uh, I haven't thought about it in a while. Um, I'm, uh, but it was it was a fun exercise uh, as far as thinking about the the wide range of music that I particularly like. Uh, as different moods come into play, uh, I could go from maybe a nice easy classical all the way to an ACDC uh, song. In fact, uh, ACDC was the last concert I I, I went to. So. Um, really? So I, when
3: was when know, was that? That was just before the lockdown, was it? Or?
4: This was a few years ago. It Was in St. Louis, uh, oh. and it was right before the lead singer actually had came down with some uh, some hearing uh, problems that I think jeopardized uh, the band. It was one oh. of their last uh, shows, uh, but it was just uh, fantastic to be a part of that experience from a band that. We would listen to for for decades to actually see them for the first time uh, as a as an adult, uh, and actually had my nephews uh, there at the time, uh, so it was fun, uh, you know, kind of a generational view of what was a very exciting band uh, in the eighties.
3: Yeah, very cool. I, I kind of came to them late, but uh, 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 I'm going to make a hash of the name. But back to black or back in black? What, what, what's what's the
4: back? You know, yeah, back to black very, all night long. Uh, yeah. There's quite a few actually uh, that can be quite fun and, and certainly appropriate uh, uh, if you wanted to get charged up uh, for an activity for sure.
3: Okay. So, do you use that though? That's, does it kind of relate to your life in any way? It's just a, sort of a set of songs that you tap into when you need to. Yeah. Make- well,
4: actually, they didn't make the top three. <laughs> oh, they did. Okay. All right. I'll go back, I'll start in in no particular order with the three, Uh, but I I thought the best way to answer this is to look at songs that I generally like. They may not be a favorite, but actually they've got some meaning uh, in terms of uh, times that I've crossed them uh, in my life, where they were uh, playing and they were uh, attached to to things uh, uh, on a personal basis. And uh, the first one is This Is The Time by uh, Billy Joel. In fact, it's funny, the, the ones that stand out uh, come from um, more of my childhood uh, as, as in the 80s that really looked at, that stood the test of time uh, for decades past. And uh, this is the time by Billy Joel was actually played alongside of a slideshow that was shown at my high school graduation. Uh, and they had uh, pictures of photos over the years of, of the students and, and the class. Uh, and that was just such a, a powerful song that it was newer at the time, uh, you know, to really capture uh, the specialty of and the specialness of of having a, a graduation, uh, not only to, to, to seize the moment, but what's to come ahead. Uh, and now that uh, many decades have passed, if I listen to that song and Think back of that time when when I was 18 years old, uh, and the song st- is still great. Uh, it's still got a lot of uh, meaning to it. Uh, but I think back even the decades past uh, about the time, uh, and time being uh, really the most precious resource uh, we have in the world. Uh, so that's one that uh, you know it's probably not high on my playlist. You won't see me turn it up on a regular basis, but it's a favorite, um, and it's one that uh, I think uh, resonates. Uh, uh, over time and uh, still today. Great choice. Yeah, the the next one uh, was kind of uh, an interesting uh, America by Neil Diamond. I might have been one of the few uh, kids, teenagers, uh, even early adults that really, really enjoyed uh, Neil Diamond, that got into Neil Diamond, attended several concerts. Uh, But the America song was kind of an entry point uh, for me. Uh, because it just was such a, a great uh, musical entry to, uh, to really feeling good uh, you know, about the country and, uh, and just overall that builds a lot of excitement uh, and a lot of meaning to it. But it really was an entry for me to tap into and listen to some of his older music, his classical uh, music, and just really found a lot of enjoyment uh, from uh, his music well before that was even recorded and, and released. Uh, but America is one of those songs that, uh, if that doesn't get you fired up, uh, if that doesn't get you, um, you know, excited about uh, really in, in the the country uh, and and you know the the opportunities of of the country, uh, even in times of, uh, of of troubles and struggles, uh, you know, then then I think you may have a different view of of uh, the nationalism and, and what America represents. Uh, uh, and I, I actually, it's funny, I think back of. You know, that song you don't hear often, uh, whether it's Fourth of July or other celebrations Mm -hmm. of national, uh, you know, uh, national accomplishments. And it truly is a a terrific song with a wonderful uh, beat uh, about uh, America and the opportunities. Uh, And and I I just think, uh, you know, again, it's one that uh, I'd like to hear more, uh, whether it's at, uh, you know, Super Bowls or, you know, sporting events or concerts and things that, uh, that I think really uh, demonstrate the greatness uh, that this country is. So, uh, America would would be my second one again that I still find uh, to be very rousing uh, uh, every time I, I listen to it and and think back about the the strength of the country.
3: I mean, what and and if you were to sum up like kind of your the three favorite things about America, what would those be? What what are the the thoughts that this kind of gets you excited about?
4: Yeah, you know, I think for me, a lot of it is um, the diversity of the country. Uh, and in many ways, uh, geography, uh, you know, population, cultures. One of the things that I've had uh, really benefited from in, in my lifetime was to actually have lived in different parts of the country. I grew up in the Midwest, went to school in the Midwest lived out on the West Coast in California for many years, lived out on San the Diego, East Coast. San Diego,
3: I believe, right?
4: Yeah, that's right. We mentioned in, in San Diego uh, and got to learn about the the, the, the left coast uh, uh, way of life and living. Uh, then moved to Washington, D.C., uh, relocated to, to Florida for, for many years, and now currently reside in the Mid-Atlantic uh, on the East Coast. And, and I'll tell you, having experienced both, you know, West, Central, and East Coast, there's a lot of differences. Uh, there's a lot of things to celebrate uh, as, as people and and backgrounds, even when you've got the transplants, which you see a lot in California, let's say, in Florida, people from, let's say, the Northeast going down and living in Florida. Uh, you know, you still have, uh, you know, a, a different set of cultures and, and, and virtues and a way of life. Uh, and uh, I always tell people that I'm a Midwesterner. That's where I, I was born and raised, and I think that's where my roots and value systems lie. And uh, and, and to me, that's a special part of, of America. It, and I don't think we honor and celebrate and recognize that strength of that diversity and use it to our advantage. Uh, certainly, uh, when we're in such a red or blue uh, division in our country, uh, racial divisions, and something that you know, I just think it's uh, we've got a lot more that we can do to celebrate that diversity and the strength that it provides uh, us. Uh, you know, I always look at uh, you know in terms of travel and enjoying, and hey, you know, go take a vacation in Europe or uh, you know, Asia's got some wonderful places to visit. I was like, well, there's so many things, wonderful places to go to in the United States uh, that uh, you know you don't have to go too far. I think to to really. Be awe of uh, of what this country offers uh, from a uh, you know, sightseeing, recreation, history, uh, and a lot of things uh, that that we can enjoy as, as Americans. So that, that does stand out in terms of uh, personally what what I think uh, you know about this country that that I enjoy most, perhaps.
3: Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's a so, It's very often the case, isn't it? Your strength is your weakness. It's true of many people, and as a nation, uh, you know, we can be pulled apart by that diversity. But it's also a tremendous asset when uh, when we come to together. I mean, to me, America is a country that can achieve some amazing things. I mean, the, the, I'm obsessed by the man on the moon. Uh, moonshot. And uh, this last week, we've had two billionaires up in space, one of them British, I guess. So, uh, but, <laughs> uh, but you look at, at uh, the incredible advances we've made. And uh, so America's achieved that. And uh, I, I was born here, but I came back uh, out of choice. So uh, uh, I, I chose to come back to America because I um, you know, what, what an entrepreneurial culture. this uh, It's a bit of a cliche, but uh, anyone can do everything and not held back. Uh, success is celebrated. In many older countries, you know, don't get above yourself. Who do you think you are uh, from, you know, venture capital markets and uh, corruption? And, uh, you know, we've got this incredible environment. There's a platform for people to really achieve uh, Amazing.
4: Yeah, and it's not without its problems. It's not without its stains in history. I mean, some major corals uh, and, and black marks, uh, you know, on the country. But but I think it's something we've got to learn and improve on. Uh, yes. Recognize them, um, and and certainly, you know, find ways uh, that we could use those to come together rather than uh, apart. And obviously, we're not there yet. Uh, we may never get to this this idealism uh, perfectionism uh, but but that doesn't mean we can't try and that doesn't mean we can't improve and get better and so yeah i i i agree uh, it, there's a lot of things that uh, that i think does unite us uh and uh, perhaps uh, in the uh the day-to-day initiatives uh, that we have uh as, as citizens and of course government uh, uh we sometimes uh, lose sight of uh i think the bigger picture but but a lot of promise is still yet to come. And I think you cited two great examples of what, uh, you know, has took place uh, just with this last week uh, yeah. uh, with multiple, you know, countries and, and interests involved.
3: Um, uh, okay. So America, and then what's your last song?
4: You know, this goes back again, showing this this wide range of music interests. Uh, Purple Rain by Prince. Uh, right. I was a big Prince fan when Purple Rain came out. Loved the music, loved the, the soundtrack. And uh, if you ever hear a long version of Purple Rain, uh, one that maybe is not on the radio, one that it was recorded live, you know sometimes it's 15, 20 minutes long, uh, it's just brilliant. It's just a beautiful ballad of, of music uh, and powerful, uh, really powerful, speaks uh, to uh, you know to, to inside. Uh, uh, and I think it's to me, it's a song that really perseveres uh, and, and again, decades later, I uh, could listen to today and just just get really, uh, you know, not necessarily choked up, but moved uh, really? from listening uh, to the song and, and its, its beauty, uh, and even watching uh, some of the videos in the, the movie that it was uh, based out of. But it, I certainly was a Prince fan uh, and uh, liked his music, but nothing tops, I think, uh, Purple Rain. It's funny, a couple times I've gone out, whether at a bar and you've got a band playing and they're they're playing, ca- uh, covering some of the songs and all of a sudden they pull out uh, Purple Rain themselves. And if they do it right, the whole place just gets into it. I mean, it just is a stop and stare uh, and uh, sway, you know, a song for the whole place. And I've never seen uh, places that uh, that all of a sudden everybody gets into that song. Uh, and so to me, it, it, it's got a lot of fans, a lot of following, and once again, uh, very popular and one that uh, that definitely is among the top of my list, so you you can kind of see this uh, Billy Joel uh, to Neil Diamond to Prince, uh, all '80s based. Uh, I, I listen to uh, classic rewind on on Sirius XM. Maybe at times uh, a little yacht rock, uh, some of the well, more for the humor than anything else. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of skipped a couple uh, decades uh, and still find myself really enjoying uh, the music of the '70s and '80s, the the second generation of rock, as they say.
3: All right, Purple Rain, Purple Shirt. You're one of our few guests who's actually coordinated their wardrobe with their music choice, so I uh, commend right. you for that.
4: <laughs> if I only had that white guitar that he plays, uh, you know, during that, uh, oh, that would be yeah. fantastic.
3: Very cool. Well, Tim, thanks so much for this conversation. I've really uh, enjoyed it. Uh, Williot recently joined uh, the RPA, and uh, that's how we met, and uh, I'm so excited by... Uh, uh, what uh, your organization is is doing and, and looking forward to participating more in this community.
4: Well, Steve, thank you. We're so grateful for Willie, uh, you know, seeing that vision, joining the vision, uh, helping us get to achieve, uh, you know, that vision. Uh, it takes that, uh, you know, collaboration across our industry. Um, so thank you very much, and it was certainly an honor to, to be here with you today and talk a, a little bit about uh, uh, the insights and perspectives associated with reusable packaging systems.
3: Wonderful. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Tim. I loved his enthusiasm. This is more than just a job. It's clearly a passion. A lot of really interesting information that I hope will allow you to dive into this part of the ecosystem, the auto ID world that's transforming the way products are made, distributed, sold, used, and reused. I want to thank Aaron Hammock for his work on production, Uh, Jesse Hazelrig, our uh, producer. I want to thank you for, for listening. Please do like us, tell your friends about us. And please join us for the next time we meet her.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh